Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to gather, to worship. It's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting at the start of the year. We're celebrating God sending out a people to try and make a difference, to be a part of His kingdom come, His will being done here in Birmingham as it is in heaven. As we begin this year together as a church, I want to share something that I believe is absolutely key for each and every one of us having a year where we can flourish and thrive. A year where we can know freedom and joy and where we as the people of God can live bold lives. I want to speak about the battle of the mind. How many of you recognise that there is a constant battle going on in your mind and in your thinking? And so much in life, so many battles are lost or won within our minds, within our thinkings. Narratives, lies, stories that we choose to live by, they can have the power for good, but often these lies can have the power for bad. And we also recognise we live in a world where there is so much confusion and chaos, so much information that simply isn't true. Philosophical ideas, ideologies, ethical conclusions that simply are not true. We live in an age of misinformation. I was amused by reading this Twitter exchange the other day. We'll call the person KB. So this, not only do masks reduce your oxygen and increase your carbon dioxide intake, which makes you wheeze or gasp, but they also provide perfect, warm, damp breeding grounds for pathogens to breathe in that will progressively make you ill. For those who want more respiratory illness, job done. Response from Richard, absolutely none of that is true. KB replies, and your exact qualifications for stating that are, Richard, a degree in medicine and a fellowship of the Royal College of Anaesthetists for which I was examined in respiratory physiology and the mechanics of gas transfer. It went very quiet (laughs) after that. Now, I'm not making a political statement about masks, but I am so grateful for the vaccine and the booster that I've had. But so much banded around isn't true. So much of what we believe is not true. Not only this kind of chaotic world we live in, our view of ourselves can end up being distorted and corrupted. We live in an age of comparison, exacerbated by social media, and we we constantly begin to believe these things about ourselves that are not true. we, we, We buy into these marketing lies that, you know, this new fad, this new hobby, this new practice or rhythm, this way of living will make me happy, more confident, more me, but we try and it doesn't work. And alongside all of this, we need to recognize that there is an enemy, Satan, who is planting seeds to deceive us and he's very clever and he's very effective and so many of us, our lives end up being held back. We end up being held as captives to the lies that Satan has planted within us, within our minds that we've chosen to collude with and to believe. We're in a battle over our minds. 
back in November, I went through a few days of a real battle in my thinking. Rach was away and I had the kids. So when you've got five kids and your wife's away, you go and visit your parents. Um, and so I was, I was at my parents and I was driving back. And as I was driving back late at night, all the kids in the car, I, just this thought poof, hit me. You know, Tim, where is your life going? Tim, your best days are behind you. Tim, do you remember those moments where you'd travel the world and you'd lead worship for thousands? Do you remember when you'd write these songs and everyone would be singing them? Who cares now? What's going on now? No one's interested in your songs. They're all interested in so-and-so's songs. No one's interested in what you have to say. You haven't got what it takes to lead. You haven't got it. You, you know, you, you, you're not smart enough. You're not courageous enough. You're not strategic enough. You're not spiritual enough. And all of these thoughts just began to overwhelm me. I found myself sinking in them like I was suffocating. And you begin to start thinking, yeah, maybe that's true. Oh gosh, ooh, flip. And for a few days, I found myself falling, fading into a pit. I couldn't just shake it off. And then I, I remembered this scripture in 2 Corinthians 10. This is what I want to look at today. And it's the Apostle Paul who's actually writing this letter to the church in Corinth in response to the people who are questioning his authority, questioning his gifts, his skills, his leadership, you know, questioning whether he has the authority to say the things that he's saying. And in response to so much that is being thrown in his way, he says this, For though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Isn't that amazing? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Many of us, are living as captives. Certain ways of thinking, lies that have been spoken over you that you've chosen to agree with, they've become strongholds in your mind. And they're affecting the way you look at life and the way you live your life. But Jesus has come. And the good news today is that there are weapons spiritual weapons that God wants to give us. That means when these thoughts come into our mind, they don't need to grab hold of us. They don't need to build a fortress, a stronghold in our thinking. We can see them surrendered and broken down and seen as for what they are, lies. And we can live free, bold lives as the children of God. So I want to look at a few things that I believe are weapons to lead us into freedom. And if we could put these practices into our lives, we'd live very differently. The first is this, thanks, thanks. One of the most powerful weapons, spiritual weapons God gives us to confront the schemes of the enemy is thanksgiving. Again, Paul says, these weapons aren't the ways of the world. The world would tell us to be constantly grumbling, complaining, frustrated, offended by what we don't have. The Bible says thanksgiving is a pathway to overcoming lies that can grab hold of us. Philippians 4 verse 1 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing from a prison. He's held in physical chains. There must have been a battle going on in his mind. God, what are you doing? Where are you leading me? Am I going to live? What is going to happen? What is your plan? And what does he do in that moment? He begins to rejoice. He exercises thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord when things are good. Rejoice in the Lord when you're winning in life. No, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice and thank God when you're sick, when you're low, when you're broke, when you're lonely, when you're out of work, when you're feeling insecure, when you're feeling confused, when your boss is treating you like a jerk, when you're having to isolate because of COVID, when your kids are driving you mad, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. And what happens when we offer up thanksgiving? When we bring our prayers before Jesus, the peace that transcends all human understanding that money cannot buy, that no self-help book could ever give you, that no amount of Instagram followers could ever buy you, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. You know, thanksgiving is it's the will of God for our lives. As a follower of Jesus, one of the things, if we want to be a worshipping community is, you know, how do I outwork? How do I live out God's will for my life? If you're wondering that, how do I outwork God's will? Well, here it is. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's so important, thanksgiving, because God knows the power of it. As we rejoice, as we pray, as we thank God, we start to outwork His will for our lives. And that's the best way we could ever, ever live. Thankfulness is so important because it reminds us of God's faithfulness. As we thank God, we begin to align ourselves with who God is and we begin to fill our hearts and minds with the wonder of who God is, of all that He's done for us. As you begin to thank God, as we gather in worship, but please hear me here, singing these songs for 25, 30 minutes on a Sunday is not enough to overpower the lies and the thinking, corrupt thinking that you're living under. This needs to be a daily practice. God, thank you that you are with me. Thank you that you're Emmanuel, God with us. God, thank you that you are the provider. You're my healer. Thank you that you walk with me, that I'm not alone. Thank you that you provide for me. Thank you, God, for the clothes I get to wear, the bed I get to sleep in, the food I get to eat. Thank you for friends and family, Lord. Thank you for football. Thank you for England drawing one game in the ashes. Thank you, God, for all that you bless me with. And as we begin to thank God, oh, it's like our tanks begin to fill up. We remind, oh my goodness, look at who God is. Look at what I have. Look at what I'm a part of. Find it interesting that when we're talking about uh, or we're trying to find a sense of uh, where am I going in my life through kind of turning inwardly, which we often do. Often when we turn inwardly, we 
I think we often look at our phones, don't we? We try and find these moments of escaping, whether it's a Netflix series or social media. And what when you get on your phone, everything just turns inward. You, you get smaller and smaller. But when you begin to thank God, it's an upward and it's an outward posture and emotion and it is expansive thing. Thanksgiving is a weapon that when used regularly begins to smash the strongholds that are grabbing hold of our thinking. A few weeks ago, we, uh, I was preparing for a staff meeting and we were going to do a Thanksgiving exercise. Just to look back over 2021, we're going to ask all the staff to write down you know, two or three moments where we're just so filled with joy at what God did, so grateful to God for what he did. And as I'm preparing this Thanksgiving exercise, my phone pings and I get a message from a friend. She's um, a real gift in the prophetic. And I really trust her. But it said this, and, and this got me really, really excited for all of us. She said this, Tim, the key for breakthrough is to enter in thanksgiving. As you do this, you'll see trains drop. You'll see deliverance. You'll see oppression lift. You'll see inner healing. You'll see transformation. I believe that's for each and every one of us, that as we exercise thanksgiving, we can see God's kingdom come. We can see ourselves step in to greater measure of freedom. Thanksgiving, thanks. But the second weapon, I want to look at is, is the truth. It's the word of God in a world of lies, in a world of so much confusion. We have to allow this book, the truth of God, the word of God to sink deep into our hearts and into our minds because it is the only thing that will overcome the lies we choose to believe. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thought. Think about that. Our lives, your life, my life, is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. So if that thought is not of God, then your life is constantly moving further and further away from Him. It's a bit like desire paths. I don't know if you've come across these, I've got a picture. But, you know, town planners, they're building these pavements and paths, but people tend to choose their own way. Maybe they think it's quicker or it's better, or oh, I like the idea of walking through the trees. And, and so people over time walk a different path, and pretty quickly it becomes set. In the same way with our thinking, God has a pathway, the way for us to walk with truth and love and life and peace and hope and purpose. But often we take these other little pathways. It it seems easier. It seems to be what everyone else is doing. And we begin to walk these paths with our thinking. And pretty quickly they become like these desire paths. And they are a way from the will of God. They're away from the way of the truth. And we begin to constantly in our thinking go down these smaller paths of lies. The philosopher Goethe once said, man sees in the world what he carries in his heart. And the Bible says something similar, New King James Version, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Basically, what the saying is, whatever you think, 
Whatever lies you've chosen to believe, you're now going to see in the world that lie. So if you've chosen to collude with a lie that you're nothing, no one really cares about you, insecurities grabbed hold of you, you're going to begin to see rejection everywhere you look. That person, they haven't replied to my text message that I sent 12 minutes ago. (gasps) I knew it, they hate me. They want nothing to do with me. I'm a nuisance, I'm an irritant to them. Or I'm at church. That person, they walked past me. They smiled politely, but they didn't stop for a long chat. I knew it, I knew it. They they just find me awful. They hate being with me. They don't want anything to do with me. Oh, I, I, I should leave. I just shouldn't be around. No one wants me. No, they just really badly needed the toilets. But you're carrying rejection and a lie in your heart and you're seeing it everywhere. And these lies are just, it's true. No one wants me. No one cares. I've got nothing to contribute. I've got no place to call home. It's not what God would speak over you. And you become held captive. But the Word of God, Paul, urges us to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ Jesus. Hold captive each thought before it holds you captive. If you've ever seen anyone suffering from an anaphylactic shock, you know, maybe they're allergic to peanuts or something, prawns, uh, it's often a food allergy, it's scary Basically, often their skin begins to itch and highs sort of spring up all over their skin and then their airway passage begins to narrow and it becomes harder to breathe. It feels like their tongue is swelling up and it can become very, very serious, very, very scary fast unless you have an EpiPen. And anyone who battles with a serious allergy will often carry one of these around in case they get exposed to something or accidentally ingest something that they can pull this out and they can ingest it into their arm so that they can reverse the trend of the thing that they're allergic to. Many of us were drowning things that we're allergic to, things that just are not of God. You just see it so much, just confused thinking around so many different ethical topics that when you begin just to question, pull it apart, you realize that actually just isn't true. That makes no sense. And yet the world is off in arm, up in arms about it all. But we need to get truth in us. We need the Word of God. The Word of God, I believe, can act like an EpiPen to get it into your system so that it can reverse the trend of everything that is trying to distract you and harm you. But the tragedy is so many of us are finding kind of a way out of this pit that we're sinking into by social media, trying to find, you know, someone's going to like me, someone's going to give me some reason to feel hope. And we look around, you know, some person's going to validate me. You're in a dead-end relationship because you think it's going to validate you. You're pursuing this crazy job thing that's just not what you're passionate about because you think it's going to validate you. But all the while, you're sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into this pit. And you need to get the truth of God into you because it's the only way that you can survive. (laughs) Ephesians 6 We're told to put on the armour of God, that we're waging war in a spiritual battle. There are forces, principalities coming against us. 
And so we're urged to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the, the feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. But there is one offensive weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. It is the offensive weapon that has the power to defeat the lies. We looked at this a little while ago, but when Jesus was baptised and then He went into the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, He was being tempted. He was at the end of Himself. He was physically exhausted. He was starving. And the enemy comes and He begins to plant seeds of doubt. He begins to plant lies. What does Jesus do? Well, I read this great quote on my Instagram page that said this, or I don't care what you said, you know, my mother thinks I'm wonderful. No, He said, it is written. It is written. The Word of God was in him. He probably didn't have a Bible or Torah uh, transcripts to, to read from at that moment. It was in him. So many of us, the Scripture, the Word of God is not in us. When these lies come, we go, oh yeah, that makes sense. I am worthless. I have got nothing. Yeah, I, I will always be lonely. I will always battle in life. No. When you read what God thinks of you, God's plans and His purposes for you, we realise there's a different way forward. Best thing you could do for 2022 is not get a six pack. Not get fit and healthy, although all those things are great. You know, not take up a hobby or all the brilliant. Best thing you can do is get the Bible in you. Bible in one year. Nikki Gumper, that's brilliant. Lectio 365. These short reflections on an app, brilliant. As Gastric, we do Monday to Friday a daily devotional, take you three to five minutes to read. And it could be the best three to five minutes of your day because it will set you up in truth rather than lies. So as we begin to thank God for who he is, as we begin to get the truth of God in us, the final thing is we begin to look forward and we begin to be able to trust God. Oh God, you've got this. You're with me. I, I don't need to overly fret. Actually, you've got stunning plans for me. Little old me. You know, I, I might be battling a bit, but ultimately, my life in your hands. Ultimately, you hold the world in your hands and I can trust you. Many put their trust in wealth. Many put their trust in their careers. Many put their trust in their health. Many put their trust in themselves. Many put their trust in another person. But all of those things can go in a moment. All of them are amazing, beautiful gifts, but we know they can go in a moment. The one thing that will never leave us nor forsake us, the one person who will never change his mind about us, the one person who's all powerful, who is from everlasting to everlasting, who was and is and is to come, the one who is loyal and perfect in every way is Jesus Christ. And we need to trust Him. We need to trust Him. And why can we trust Him? Because He is victorious. He lived this life engaging with humanity, confronting religiosity, and He was ultimately hung on a cross, nails driven into His arms, His hands, His feet. And what was it He declared, shouted just before He breathed His last? As all his enemies were rejoicing, we got him, we brought him down. He shouted out, it is finished. 
the power of sin, the power of lies, the power even of death itself, the power of fear, the power of darkness, the power of depression. It is finished. And on the third day, he proved it. It wasn't just words. He outworked it because he was raised up from the tomb and he stepped into the earth and he came in his resurrected power to say that Jesus Christ is alive and he's with us today. And he's overcome the power of sin and death. And he draws us into his victory so that we can stand tall. I know in my own strength, I've not got much, but when I align myself and I believe in these truths that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, that His victory is my victory, that the cross once and for all paid the price that I can live free. Christ's resurrected power alive in me. And as we begin to walk in that truth, we begin to live free. Now I end with this. How, how can these three things hold together? Well, just reflecting on what I did back in November when all these lies, you're not up to it. You haven't got what it takes. You're not spiritual enough. You know, your best days, your best days are behind you. What was it I began to do? It took me a while to get my head in gear. I began to thank God, particularly thinking about this church because I felt this kind of crisis of confidence as a leader. Uh, God, thank you. Oh my goodness, look at what you've done at Gas Street. Look at all the amazing people who are a part of this. Look at the life. Look at the stories of transformation. Look at all that you're doing at St. Luke's with Love Your Neighbour. Look at these church plants that are coming out of us. Look at the friends that I get to serve alongside. Look at the amazing ways you've miraculously provided financially. Look at what you're doing in the city, the way you've blessed us. And I begin to remind myself, God, you're faithful. You're with us. You're doing something extraordinary. My best days aren't behind me. I'm in my best days and my best days are still to come. Thanksgiving. And then truth. I grab hold of the Bible. Matthew 16 verse 18. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against me. He doesn't say Tim Hughes, Bishop David Urker, um, Justin Welby, they will build the church. No, Jesus will build the church. He's never called me. He's never called you to build his church. He's invited us into the joy and the partnership and the adventure of seeing his kingdom come, his bride of Christ advancing. But it is a work that Jesus alone does. And suddenly it's like, oh, the pressure's off. The future of gastry is not in my hands. It's not on me. It's on Jesus Christ. And as my heart is filled with thanksgiving and my mind is filled with truth, God, I, I can trust you. Actually, how is it? These are lies. That's not what you say over me. That's not what your word says over me. I can trust you. And what happens is these lies that were building a fortress in my mind, chaining me up, holding me captive, suddenly poof, they're like broken chains around my feet. Kick them away. Move on in freedom boldness and in the authority that I have, not in my own strength. This is not self-help, but in the strength of Christ. We, we, we hold these things captive. We make them obedient, not to ourselves, but to Christ Jesus, who crushed the work of the enemy. Your battle might be anxiety around resources and finances. And as you're worried, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to pay for my children's food and clothes and how am I going to move forward in life? How am I ever going to have enough money to marry that person? Or how am I going to have enough money to buy a house? Or ah, And you're sinking into a pit. 
begin to thank God. God, thank you. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you, God, that you provide. Call to mind moments perhaps in your life where God, you know, a tax rebate came in at the right time or a miraculous little offering of money came in that enabled you to buy something that you needed at the time. God, actually, thank you. Thank you that you, thank you for what I have now. Thank you that I'm in a community that I'm not going to be just thrown out, left alone. And then get the truth in you, truth in you, Matthew 6, where Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Listen to this, my child. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And you get this truth into your mind. And it's like, oh my goodness, God, you're going to give me everything I need. You're going to give me everything I need. And then, we begin to be able to trust God. God, I trust you. You're not going to abandon me. You're not going to break your promise. I trust you and this peace crashes in. My prayer for us is that we wouldn't sleepwalk in lies. We wouldn't spend a moment longer held captive by false narratives that are not the way of God. That we would grab hold of these spiritual weapons that have the power to smash strongholds. Stefan had this beautiful picture just in our prayer meeting. Didn't know what I was going to speak on. But he said, I see people, it's like sandcastles. And these sandcastles look like a fortress. In your mind, they've become like this fortress, this stronghold. But sand just can go in a moment. The waves come in and it's washed away. And I believe God wants to do that through us and in us today. So why don't we stand? What we're going to do is we're going to start. We're going to put some of this into practice. We're going to begin to thank God. Now, I know some of you don't like speaking out loud. Um, but I actually don't care because I think it's really important. I care about you, but I don't care about you being upset about or nervous of speaking out loud because if we can't learn to thank God now, we're going to battle on Monday. And maybe for others, it's easy just to put your hands high. Or, but I want us just to call to mind. Call to mind that lie, that stronghold, that thing that's holding you back, that fear, the, the word your dad spoke over you, that thing your boss did to you, the way at school you were bullied or whatever it is and the lies that have now got hold of you and you're living under them. You're seeing out in the world everything that you're carrying in your heart, but it's not of God. And so you need to find the opposite to thank God for. Just find things to thank God for. And we're just going to begin to lift up our voice and thank God for His provision, that He's a Father, that He loves us. So let's just begin to lift our voices if you want to lift your hands or you might, if you're, find it easier to write it down. I don't know, but let's just begin to thank God. Lord, I thank you. I want to hear, I want to hear the Iranian community, you speak in your own language. Um, others, just, just begin to speak out thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are good in every way, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Thank you, God. 
that you are at work in our city. Thank you, God, for the amazing things that you're doing, the amazing people that you're gathering, Lord. us just a little bit longer. Just exercise this muscle of thanksgiving. For some of you, it's really alien. You're used to complaining. You're used to looking at the negative because this desire path has meant you don't understand even what it means to be a person of praise and thanksgiving. Thank you. I thank you. Okay. So you thank God. You're filling your mind and your heart. Now just grab hold of one scripture. Maybe one scripture. One scripture that you can just speak over yourself. Maybe write it down this week. Tattoo it on your arm. Write it on your mirror. Put it as your screensaver on your phone. One verse, one scripture of truth. And just begin to speak it out over yourself. Speak it out over yourself. Speak it out over yourself. If my God is for me, who can stand against me? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.